because once again in the North Korean one, and this is considered a classic South, film. South Korean one. South Korean. Oh, South, right. South, this is a yeah. South Korean <laughs> film, right? <laughs> a South yeah. Korean film. It's considered a classic, and it's beloved by all over the fucking world, and especially in that society, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to make speculations about like, oh, this is how the society looks at this, but it, it's it's kind of telling that this film is so popular and well-respected and deals with personal revenge in such a direct way where it's not so much like moralizing. It's just looking at how each of these men go about at effectively getting revenge on one another just for purely selfish reasons, self-centered reasons. Whereas in uh, Spike Lee's one, it is a form of vigilantism where he has to right the wrongs before they happen to somebody else. So it's no longer just him doing this out of pure selfishness, his own self-centeredness, he's, there's, a, there's a level of heroicism that's attached to it. Yeah. So it's kind of like displacing so that way you can so that way you don't have to feel so, so that way you don't have to start asking the questions of like, oh, wait a minute, is, is either of them in the right or wrong? Like who's in the right or the wrong, you know, saying for seeking revenge on one another? Yeah. You know, you don't have to deal with those questions because it's, a, it's just framed as, no, this person is just flat out the bad guy and they need to die and, and by any means necessary and, and He's doing it, the character, he's not doing it for himself, he's doing it for his family, you know, because it's kind of hard to tell somebody, fuck your family, don't bother trying to save them. You know, you're never going to hear that, or you'll rarely hear that. You know, so it's kind of, I just use that as an example, and, and, and Spike Lee's old boy was not popular, um, it's, it's shit in many different respects. Um, but once again, I just think it's one of those things where it reflects, you know what I'm saying, of what the director, the writer, um, is trying to show about society or what they even feel themselves, you know, yeah. which is that in America, you know, if you're going to be justified in committing violence or whatever, it can't just be you, you know, going out and wanting to do things for a selfish reason. You have to go there to defend your flag, to defend your country, to defend your homeland, to defend your, um, your, your family and to defend, you know, uh, innocent people abroad and whatnot to establish democracy, you know, all this other bullshit. So it's just once again just how people are massaged or kind of hinted um, to look at things a certain way. Yeah, and it's just ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's everywhere. It seeps in everywhere. It's even in like our like like kids' cartoons and shit. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you see the same like not from the same perspective as like like with those uh, old shows like with the Just World theory where you're trying to represent that the world is fair and you know we're all just getting along and everything's good and fine. Mm-hmm. But you you see it in like like there's good guys and there's bad guys and there's not really much like moral uh, gray area in in children's cartoons in terms of like what's just and not just. Yes. And in, in the world there's an immense amount of it. It's almost inescapable in, mm-hmm. in most situations. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. Um, but you know, maybe I think- just get sold all that shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. That advertisements. Um, you know that 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 thing of looking at everything as a dichotomy. It has to be this or that. It's black or it's white, or you know, it's like no. It's like there's degrees. There's a gradient here, and there's a spectrum or a Venn diagram, or however you want to, you know, somebody wants to look at it. Yeah, it's all uh, relative. It's all yeah, that's right. It's all relative. Tagged uh, it perfectly on the hour. That's right. I uh, so yes. rounding out the hour, we were just talking about Afghanistan media and propaganda and whatnot, and I appreciate my guests for diving into that. And so now to get into the next topic, it's going to play off of the same dynamic of breaking away from the dichotomy framework 
um, or the what's sometimes called the um, false equivalence fallacy. Um, there's other terms for it. But basically looking at everything as being either this or it's that. And the topic I want to get into specifically is one that's a hot button issue in left wing circles right now, uh, mainly on like uh, online platforms like uh, social media platforms. It's a uh, class reductionism and woke essentialism. And for those listening, um, reductionism and essentialism, they both kind of mean the same thing. Basically, what they mean is just reducing um, things down to being a very simple – basically, what I was just saying before, reducing things down, simplifying things down um, uh, to a level of basicness that isn't, reflection, that isn't a true reflection of the complexity of the issue. Yeah. So, so the first part is class reductionism. Um, which just mean which is a <clears throat> phenomenon where less people who identify as left wing uh, socialists or have a Marxist critique of capitalism, they will say that all other forms of discrimination based on whether it's ideology or religion or cultural, you know, personal identity, gen, you know, gender identity stuff like that, all stem from economic disparity or material dialectics. Um, these tend to be your white leftists. Now, now well, here, well, here's the well, here's the thing I was going to get into about woke essentialism is that yeah. while there are plenty of white leftists who do fall into that um, because it's a it, because it's an easy way to say, hey, yeah, let's fight for general change in the economy, but I don't want to have to deal with all these different cultural war, these specific identity issues. Yeah. Um, it's a way to put them on the back burner, but still try to coax um, people of color um, along for the ride of Nazi of Nazi Bolshevism. <laughs> and um you know but if, but like with anything else you know even though there's mostly white people doing this there's plenty of you know non-white people that are that are also buying into this shit <clears throat> yeah. and then but, on the uh, go ahead oh um well i was i would just say and like and trying to imagine what you're talking about like the example that i've always gone to would be like like all the bernie sanders stuff about healthcare for everybody but we keep like stuff like all uh, like the, the border wall racism shit like mm-hmm. that would be that would be an acceptable future for a class reductionist, and that's that's an example of like why that's an insufficient you know political understanding. Yes, absolutely, because it just creates another layer of it just creates another uh, it, it maintains a level of strict hierarchy. Yes. They don't want to, but because they but because they confronted capitalism head on and set up a nice co-op and shit and some unions or whatever, they're like, yeah, we you know this is enough. This is we did everything we need to. And then on the other side is one that doesn't get – it gets alluded to, but a lot of the people who talk about it don't actually have a, a good grasp of like – of the language and whatnot. And so um, – but it's, it's woke essentialism. And, um, and the only reason I use essentialism at the end of woke instead of reductionism, I just think phonetically it sounds better. Yeah. Um, but they both kind of said the same thing. And woke essentialism or woke reductionism, if you will, is the same thing as class reductionism but concerning – strictly concerning – cultural and identity issues. And these are the individuals whom, yeah, they may talk about class issues to, or economic disparity to a certain degree, but everything for them always comes down to, oh, you're only criticizing me because I'm black, or you're only saying that because I'm transgender, or you're only doing this because, you know, saying you don't like liberals, or, you know, you don't like V, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, they, it's, it's sort of like uh, complementary reductionism to class reductionism. Yes. It's like everything but class reductionism. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. They'll pay each each side will pay the least amount of lip service to keep the respective groups from coming at their throats. 
But when you press them further, um, you know, people can only hide behind their bullshit for so long before, like, the truth starts to come out. Um, and they just completely give the game away. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly whom or why this conversation has come up again uh, lately because there's nothing new. Um, I think, I actually, you know what, actually, I think what it is is just, like, we just kind of reached the boiling point where people have kind of realized the threshold of wokeness or the threshold of always prioritizing identity politics and um, seeing that it's only being able to get so much done. Because really when we talk about like identity politics and stuff, this didn't really start becoming as big as it is now. Well, it's 20, so we're in the summer, middle of 2020, the first social media platforms – didn't come out until uh, the late 2000s. So Facebook was like 2007, and then like Twitter and I think Reddit and whatnot, they followed in a couple years later before the end of the decade. So really we just kind of had a little over a decade of these platforms being as massive and influential as they are, yeah. right? And what has become huge and uh, uh, what has become huge as a result of that is all of these um, stories about uh, uh, whether it's uh, – Issues happening to black people or other people of color around the world, imperialism, you know, religious discrimination, the uh, transgendered stories, women's stories and everything. Basically, all these marginalized, vulnerable groups have found a way to get their stories and their ideas and their values up into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, and as a result of this, of course, this creates a reactionary um, response in, a, in many different sects. Se uh, sectors. And so what – and kind of my theory about like what, uh, what's happened is that because of how stifled these stories and these groups have been for so long and that they've kind of just barely been able to get their stories out and whatnot, there's a tendency to overfocus and overcorrect by making them the priority in every issue or, or you know, either feeling – genuinely feeling victimized or playing into victimization um, – and weaponizing yeah. and weaponizing one's identity, or even to to use another's identity as an irrelevant canard to distract from mm -hmm. a pressing social issue, yes, which is an even more disgusting version of the same thing. Yes, absolutely. It is. It is the genuine. You know, some people just use identity politics and intersectionality as as a derogatory term, as if they are bad enough themselves. So, just to give quick definition, identity politics. And I want to make sure I credit the right the right. Uh, the authors and whatnot, because they're great. Yeah, Tarana uh, Burke, right? Uh, so there's, I don't know, well, well, the, the ones I know of are uh, Kimberly Crenshaw and Barbara, Barbara um, Smith. I don't know, I don't know if there's some contentions on who's claiming it. Uh, These are just the most consistent sources I've seen. Tanaka Burke okay. um, is the one who came up with the Me Too. Ah, yeah, uh, I got uh, my, uh, people who came up with things wrong. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, and, and you know, yeah. once again, I don't know the backgrounds that deep. Yes. Um, but in any case, Barbara Smith and Kimberly Crenshaw, these are both um, black women. They identify as feminists but also uh, Marxists. And they, uh, Barbara Smith came up with the term identity politics. And when she said, and when she said this, um, she was quoted as saying that we as black women, we actually have a right to create political priorities and agendas and actions and solutions based on our experiences in having these simultaneous identities that included other identities via the working class, being LGBT, and, you know, of course, being black uh, in general. Yeah. And then you have uh, the term intersectionality from Kimberly Crenshaw, uh, from Kimberly Crenshaw uh, which she described as 
it's she said it's she says that it's not identity politics on steroids it's not a mechanism to turn white men into the new pariahs of society it's basically a lens a prism for which you see the world uh, with various forms of inequality often operating together and exacerbating each other when we talk about race inequality as separate inequality based on we tend oh excuse me she says that we tend to talk about race inequality as separate from inequality based on gender, class, sexuality, or immigrant status. What's often missing is how some people are subject to all of these, and the experience is not just the sum of its parts. Yeah. So, you know, you know we all use, we use these terms. They become very popular, and as a result, they get misused. They get appropriated um, by bad faith parties or just ignorant parties um, who operate with a limited understanding. But really, these ideas, these, these words, concepts, were really to help all people, they just happen to come from black women in the United States who loved Marxism but also loved being black and also you know, saw feminism and, 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 and thought that there must be a way of looking at all these different um, intersecting identities and experiences and that this naturally will affect the priorities which you seek in society, which includes political action. And so to get back to the Woke essentialism and the class reductionism, what's happened, unfortunately, is you have definitely had these people who have co-opted uh, wokeness, as they like to say, which is just a pejorative for those who care about social progressiveness and uh, are concerned with identity politics and intersectionality. It's meant to be an insult. Um, I would say particularly those who are uh, concerned with using them in a disingenuous fashion and you know, using the issues of other people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I actually I just remembered what's kind of like brought this back into the fore. There was a recent video, um, and I don't know about the source too much. I think they were just like a stand-up comedian, which is for people who don't know, it's like stand-up. The, the, the world of stand-up is very reactionary. Yeah, they make a lot of them saying things there. Yeah, they're there. You could look kind of look at the comedy stand-up comedy scene as being like a uh, like a right-wing libertarian space. Yeah, they'll push against like society and shit when they tell them they can't say things that they want, but like, you know, other things like being supportive of the police and arm the military or being, you know, lower taxes or, you know, even just voting for Republicans being Republican supporters is nothing new or rare within that particular subculture. Um, but there was a video that a comedy sketch, as they call it, <laughs> as they said, um, where two white guys have shirts on. One of them says racist, one of them says woke. And the topic of the video, the title of the video is the one thing that wokies and racists all agree on. And basically the joke is that they both say that, oh, race is the most important factor of a person's identity because, you know, racists, obviously that's, you know, they're racial bigots and whatnot. But then the, the joke is also that woke people are all essentialists, that they all boil people down to um, this one identity. Now, I don't, now this dude, I, I doubt that he's as politically savvy you know what I'm saying, or was operating with this context. It was just a very You, you don't thing. think that he, he happened on that <laughs> critique purposefully? No, well, no, no, no. I don't, but, think, uh, I don't, think, I don't yeah, I don't think he was coming from the, uh, uh, he, he, yeah, he, he shot a lot deeper than he intended to, than he thought he would. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like when uh, people accidentally come up with deep social commentaries, like the, the woman holding an American flag that peels back to be a Confederate flag. And it's right. painted onto a flag, and it's like, wow, you didn't realize what you were doing there, did you? Huh? No, no, you didn't. You nope. just became a satire of yourself, you fucking moron. Yep, and Good that's job. 
Oh God, and that's something else. We, if we remember it, we could go into in how satire and parody is misused by the right because it takes a certain amount of emotional um, and historical. Like it takes a certain amount of emotional and just general historical intelligence to actually pull off like satire and parody, depending on how you know deep you go. Oh, because there, because there was also another example of this dude. I think he was a cop, and he had a Confederate statue or whatever um, on his on a tattoo. I think on his calf. And so he was like, oh, you know, I've been getting stares. I thought it was best to get this covered up. And he got it covered up with a Blue Lives Matter tattoo. <laughs> so, same, so same fucking thing. Same fucking thing. But, but, but anyway. You wouldn't oh, say go ahead. they were the same thing. Because, it, he's, because he's engaging it, in identity politics. It, oh, my God. Yes. And, and actually, that's a good <laughs> – and, and you know what? That's so great because um, to go back to get – you know, to stay on that track of woke essentialism and class reductionism, what yeah. both parties are doing – is the same what both groups are doing are the same thing and it is an issue you know i'm not going to say like oh which one is a bigger one more pressing the fact is, is that they are both improper um analysis to our society and how to solve these myriad of issues and the thing that's actually really frustrating and why i kind of harp more on the class reductionist thing class has been people have been talking about class and money basically money material-based disparities and shit um in a much more mainstream fashion for longer in society than identity politics issues. Identity politics issues are relatively new compared to yeah, in, like intersectional and identity politics critiques of society and media and politics and everything are a lot more new and novel than critiques of capitalism and economic situations. I think that like critiques of, of capitalism and of things on, on class issues, like one of the reasons that there's a, a kerfuffle about all this is that class analysis has been driven from the, the public understanding, or when it is represented to the public, it's represented as something like the white working class, which is like yes. sort of anathema because you know the working class is not predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Like, Correct. Yeah, <laughs> they don't tell you that part. That's the part of the that's the bit of information that they like to leave out because then they got to answer, you know, because then they got to be like, well, then why are there so many more white people that are like representing professionals and CEOs and bank, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, well, they want to answer that question. Yeah, they're not interested in representing, like we were saying, like a good faith debate. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so you, you get people's like genuine concerns, like, you know, misused and abused and you get. You know, people coming up with with fake concerns to to rile people up and, and split them like in a factionalist manner, like like the same way that like guns and abortion are used to split mainstream um, Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, like that's that's what it is. It's like that for the woke left. But like, mm -hmm. what what are they going to do? Are they going to break up their voting block? Probably not. Those people are all <laughs> probably going to vote pretty similar the same way. But they might be able to frustrate them politically, which right. certainly is a goal. Right, exactly. And here's and here's like the um you know, the thing with that is that obviously there's always gonna be a mixture of internal and external forces that are using this in a bad faith way and it's happening amongst it, it's happening it's happening on the liberal side, and it's also happening on the conservative right wing side. And for those listening, uh we also make a clear distinction between people who are liberals and lefties. Yeah, Left very, very different things. Very different things. And while there may be, you know, more overlap between us you know, obviously been like centrist or like, you know, right wingers and whatnot. There's plenty of criticisms that left left wingers have um, of liberals because we feel that they don't go far enough in their critiques um, and willingness to challenge the system, the status quo, because oftentimes they're the ones whom feel very comfortable where they're at in the status quo. 
and are not, therefore, effective political allies, as in the words of Martin King, they prefer, uh, what is it, order over justice? Yes, yes. yes. I mean, yes, right. So they're not good, yeah. not good they're allies. They're not good allies. They're not good at politics. They're, I don't know. <laughs> well, we, I we, we just kind of barely tolerate them. Well, they're good at, um, they have a certain level of, of effectiveness. Otherwise, they would just always get run over by the conservatives, but they tend to save that for left-wingers. Yeah. They, they, they'll, 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 and you can, and you can definitely see this once again in um, how they the treated, they how they, they, and the way that they did Bernie twice. You know, I think that kind of speaks for itself. But to, but to stick back to the, yeah. the issues of these very polarized ways of looking at it, that yeah, there are external forces, liberals and right wingers, conservatives, you know, whatever, that are using it in a disingenuous way. And then, there, and then there are genuinely incidents of this shit that happen amongst the populace. Yeah. Just from, you know, because everybody, just because somebody says that, like, oh, I believe in this or I think this thing is fucked up, doesn't mean that they have an adequate understanding of their own identity or information to assess the issue. So to just give a couple of quick examples, um, like when a woke essentialist, you know, woke essentialism, when that occurs, that'll be a situation where there was, there was a thing with Matt, Matt Damon. He went to go sit with a bunch of other producers and they were talking about issues of identity and whatnot in film and whatnot, right? And one of the people that he's having a back and forth with was a, was a black woman. Of, um, and I don't know if she was a writer or director or whatnot. Um, they were talking about it, right? And in the video, it is made to look as if Matt Damon just completely blows off her comments and tries to steamroll the conversation. But then when you go and you actually watch, and she acts, you know, and the thing is, even within that thing, she still acts offended and acts like he doesn't take her answer seriously. Now, when you see the different, when you see the full uncut edit of the video, you realize that she was the one that was actually trying to interrupt Matt Damon and steamroll it and, and get him to stop trying to make his point. The editing of the video, and whoever, whoever did that, was helping to promote that shit. You yeah. know? And then you have on the class reductionist side, kind of think of like something that's similar to the one I just said about like Matt Damon. If you have one, please share it. Well, I haven't started trying to think about one, so I'll try to think about one. I'll try and think about one. Okay. Well, you, well, you know what? Because I'll, I'll I'll put it like this: um, class reductionism. So you'll, I had a back and forth with somebody, and I, can, I think I shared that exchange with you, or I, I, you know, you saw it. Um, I had an exchange with somebody talking about class reductionism, yeah. and what one of the things, one of their sticking points for some reason, was that even though there's somebody who identifies as left-wing and identifies as, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if it's just strictly socialist or Marxist, but they have a very strong anti-capitalist critique, right? Yeah. Their contention that it's making people compete with one another over identity and it's creating a sense of being replaced. Now, he didn't say oh, that this was yeah. his view – he said that this is the he, this is what he said. He said that this is the fear mongering bullshit used by right wingers to yeah. justify their misappropriation of it. So I was like, and my whole point of contention to him was, I was like, well, wait a minute. If this isn't what you believe and you aren't concerned about this, why do you keep relying on their misappropriation and their bad faith arguments to justify the shit? You should just you should just push back on that with a good faith argument for identity politics and intersectionality. Yeah. But for some reason, you don't really care, and the reason – and I didn't dig too deep into that part, but the, but the, you know, the implication is being that since he kept running back to that and didn't provide any other you know, explanation for saying that, like, oh, this is going to divide up people and not allow them to, uh, to have solidarity, is they 
probably feel that that and this is a white person a white a, a white passing man i'm man. shocked to find this out <laughs> right he's a white passing man and um but i think he comes from like latin uh, a working class like latin roots but in in any case you know there's hey, a white racism pa- is intersectional too well, of course you know absolutely, absolutely <laughs> you're absolutely right um yes but you know but this white passing man yes. you know he seemed to be concerned with the issue of uh, basically the replacement that like, oh, if we and that somehow talking about identity politics to almost any degree for him, excuse me, runs the risk of it replacing a greater socialist critique. Yeah, it's overly it's this overly simplistic. It's wanting to look at the world and very uh, what was that example you used? The just world fallacy. Yeah, the the just world uh, hypothesis theory fallacy. It's, it's all of those. All of those. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's basically just wanting to reduce other people and other people's in, and other interests and what and, and other ideas to being more simplistic than they actually are, so that way you can dismiss them and curry favor amongst uh, those whom happen to agree with you. Because, you know. like, there, there are, you know, many very valid uh, facets of the politics of identity in the United States, but we, we have all of these prominent displays of people bastardizing them intentionally for propaganda value. Like, like mm. there was a joke that I made to one of my, I don't know, remember who exactly, but I was, it was like that, like, with, with Joanne Reed, they kept finding her calling people, like, uh, all the names on blog posts and shit, you know, all that. And, I, and I joked that, you know, she has always, deep down, just been a problematic older white man, and she should come out now as, as transracial. And that, that would put all of this to bed. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, well, fucking you, hilarious. you see so many people peddling this shit, and they're, they're just obvious grifters, and you want to you just, like, yell at them. You want to be like, Fucking stop it! You're not even good at this. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the scary thing is that like you you really see the start, you really see just how much it is about performance and theater and towing and saying and repeating a certain script, as opposed to maintaining any sort of moral consistency, philosophical consistency. Mm. Um, you know, because people, it's like you know, there's plenty of talk about how inconsistent like fascist are or in general conservative ideology because so much of it is just based off of you know bigotry yeah or um, reacting to keep power or, or reacting to you know reacting to keep yeah. power which makes you you know go in contradictory ways but there's also plenty of contradictory shit amongst um you know liberals and Joanne Reed is definitely somebody who we peg as a as a as a uh, a liberal but let's but let's but let's to tie in with the class reduction and woke essentialism, I thing. think I have a good example for you. Of what? Of what? The those those the disingenuous class essentialist and woke wokeist oh, go ahead, go wokeist ahead. critiques yeah. that were applied to the Bernard. Ah, okay, go ahead. Go yes, on. like go he's a sexist. Like, oh, like what's? Why is he a sexist? Well, he said he didn't think a woman could win in a strategy meeting in private with Elizabeth Warren without anyone around and no media. Oh. Um, all right, well, he's an elitist. Well, why is he an elitist? Well, he's got, he's got three houses. Well, who are you working for? Mike Bloomberg. Well, how many houses does Mike Bloomberg have? Seven. And they're bigger. They're a lot bigger. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, those are, those are actually, no, those are really two great examples. Yeah. Great examples of that. They, you know, they, they tried to hit any angle that they could to bring him down. Yeah, uh, both coming out of the mouth of Joy Reid, too. Yeah, and once again, this just underscores how irrational their shit is. Because yeah. 
how do you go from woke essentialist to class reductionist about talking about the same person? It's one thing to attack different people about it, but then you attack the same person. It's like, how is this person these completely polar opposites unless you don't actually really believe in this shit or you're just willing to say whatever the fuck to keep those checks coming in? You know, it might be both of those. It's, you know, the thing is, <laughs> like, yeah, it's all of the above. Yeah. All of the above. But yeah. no, but those are perfect examples, and I love, and I love that you brought that up. Um, yeah. And it's but, also something that's, like, very, like, something that everyone can relate to and that isn't, like, like a, you know, like, lesser-known political story. It's, like, very, very, very obvious to everyone who was, like, even, like, a sock dep in the last, like, four years. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm going to do well to remember that when I bring it up again because I'm actually thinking about doing a video essay specifically on this issue because I feel like it's going to be a huge wedge going forward. Just because it seems to have like kind of popped up in the in the discourse out of nowhere. Yeah. Again. You, you, you got to do sad piano music and uh, 0.75% speed. Joy and Reed being a reactionary. <laughs> that'll that'll okay. be like half of the essay. <laughs> Only half. I was thinking three quarters. <laughs> um, I'm sure you could get a whole dissertation out of her. Hell yeah, yeah. But um, but but yeah, but that's basically you know you know for folks listening, class reductionism woke essentialism it's really just taking these very basic frameworks for looking at society uh, whatever the motivation may be whether it is a personal fear of whether it's a personal fear of being quote unquote replaced by other competing interests or identity groups which i don't know i don't know why that's like you know i don't, I don't think that's a genuine fear that's, oh, that's it's just classic white nationalist white supremacist propaganda it's like know. their oldest joke Right, but here's the, but here's the thing in which we get into like intersectionality in a negative fashion. In that, there is still plenty of intersecting bigotry within vulnerable groups. So I'm a black I'm a black man, and um, there was a huge fucking um, and there's been a history of anti-Semitism within the black community. And one of the most recent one of the events that kind of re rehashed this uh, this situation is Nick Cannon's statements um that he made on some podcast um i don't know how long ago the podcast was but they were oh, on- then they skewered him and then they and then they skewered him so for those that haven't known or didn't keep up with it um basically nick cannon was on some podcast and there was um it was re- you know whatever the audio for some reason resurfaced that he basically made some comments basically playing into anti-semitic tropes about jews controlling the media and having a consolidation on wealth and you know, the banks and stuff, you know, stuff like that, very ugly anti-Semitic tropes. And then at the very end, he made a comment about uh, he made comments about white people saying that they are just because they lack mel- melanin, they are just naturally more barbaric um, and monstrous. And that's why they have to go out. And that's why they've gone out and committed wars and, and did shit, which it's like, yeah, it's it's on one end. It's kind of, it's funny, and hilarious because of how yeah, yeah. hyperbolic it is. But on and the other side, Nick Cannon is about politics and history and history. Exactly. You know, you laugh yeah. on that part. But then on the other part is that. For those who don't have the same context of understanding that we do, yeah. they're just there's plenty of black people whom so, so 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 Nick Cannon made these grotesque comments right, and they were straight up anti-Semitic, which is a form of racism. And the comments that he made about white people are also racist. Um, racism I mean, happens at a institutional and a um, personal level. Well, I mean, my, my my view on this is that like I think like Nick Cannon certainly you know said some dumb things, but you're like he's he's not a historian. He's not a political commentator. He's not a politician. He's a he's a media personality. Yeah. And like like you know if if he had had like 
like someone with an academic background on the, the things that he was talking about on him, he probably wouldn't have gotten his ass into trouble. But he like like so he, he's, he's kind of an idiot, it. you know. Like yeah. in, in this regard. Like, and he, and he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you, and that's a valid, you know, thing to point out is that he isn't. He is just a media figure. He's just been in, in media and entertainment since he was a kid, yeah. um, and he is not always. And, and the thing is, most of his aesthetic has been not being taken too seriously. He was always kind of seen as a cornball um, yeah. until like the last ten or twelve years or so. And the reason why I'm not so forgiving of this shit, as somebody whom, you know, wants to try to move up through media and, and entertainment, is that you are taught if you're somebody that wants to get into journalism or politics or just to be taken seriously that if you don't if you're not sure of something don't speak on it or at least voice that or at least make that clear that you're not that you're operating with a limited set of understanding about an issue before you say things when you go out and you just say things declaratively without any caveats without any nuances um to me it's hard it, to me, it's it's to me, I, it's hard for me to empathize to sympathize with that, especially when you go out and you say really ignorant things and really hurtful things. Because as I said, I genuinely look at that stuff as being like I definitely believe that race that people can be racist against white people. I, I and, just don't think it really has any like palpable effect. Like you, you could stand out there and hate white people till the cows come home, but like, you know, like what? Well, well, what, what, what does well, that do? Well, well, once again, it's. Well, once again, it's like not all (laughs) – once again, here's the thing is that like there's institutional and then there's personal, um, you know, racism, and there's overlap and then there's contrast, um, you know, where they exist. That's why you can have a situation where like Beyonce, you know, can be this icon of of black femininity in the U.S., um, but still be um, uh, operating in the same capitalist fashion of, of having sweatshops and exploiting people who belong to the global south yeah. you know what i'm saying even as she belongs to a marginalized group within the global north and then you have the situ- and then of course you have the situations in any different country where a group of people um you know will set, like to go back to the venezuela example guaido who is a venezuelan you know what i'm saying who was willing to sell out his Venez- fellow venezuelans in their their oil industry and various other uh facets of the society to foreign interests because they were more ideologically aligned with him than um, than um, the Maduro and the other reigning uh, figures there, right? So, so it's so it's intersect. So there's once again, it's, it's like you said, it's intersecting. And so the reason why I genuinely say that you can experience racism as a white person, even if you're a white privileged person, because it can happen to you. Somebody could come to you and say, "Fuck you, cracker." And not you know not know you or whatever and spit in your face or throw you know pee in your face or whatever the fuck and I think that I think that that still has an effect in you that still fucks with fucks with you and that is an incident of 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 race um, of race based you know you know bigotry. Of well, course, I would definitely say that that's racial antagonism, but like like the, the the thing that like to me qualifies racism is the like you were saying that the structural pattern of it, the fact that like say say that happens to me, that you know, that could totally reasonably happen to me, but like that's not going to happen to me like that many times in my life. Like regardless, like you would have to work hard to come up with circumstances that would replicate that a lot. Like Well well no, like, because there, there, there's definitely like some like 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 respects of like you know, society, especially in something like the South, like if I'm a if I'm a white guy, I can't get my hair cut like most of Little Rock. Like that's just like that that to me is is a representation of like like you know like the parts of society that I'm not party to is like who I am but like 
to me, like, then uh, you, you sort of just end up by talking about, like, the definition of racism, whether or not you take, a, like, a more common definition, like the one you're advancing right now, which is, like, whether or not, like, someone holds, like, bigoted views against someone. But, like, I would say that the more academic definition or the one that, like, a lot of people would tend to favor would be, like, the fact that it, like, the you can't just have, like, the belief, the discriminatory belief, but it has to have like a power structure behind it and preferably like a strong influential societal power structure behind it. So right. I would say that like absolutely like racial antagonism, like it could even provoke like let's let's take it like take the example further. Like so you this white guy gets his face bit in, he becomes a racist, right? Like that that could happen. Oh, no, no, no. Well, not, well, well, yeah. well that wasn't well that wasn't the point I was um well that wasn't what I was like trying to lead into. I wasn't saying that like, oh this radicalizes them. I was yeah. just talking about the the act itself. Um, and, to, and so to talk about like what you like, the, like you said, the common de the definition is that to me, it isn't just about because we all hold, you know, same views that could be seen as problematic or bigoted or whatever. But in that case, that had a palpable effect on that person. It's not a matter of like, oh, were they denied a home loan? And, and I'm not I'm not equivocating the damage that, you know, yeah. uh, of wealth disparity based along racial lines is the same as this incident. But to me, yeah. you know, every degree of it needs to be attached because like whether it's a physical, personal attack or whether it's something systemic, you know, saying through all these different apparatuses and whatnot, it's like, I don't, you know, to me, I, I don't like any of that stuff. And, yeah. and the thing is, you know, and just from me coming up and growing up, you know, as, be, as being, because the thing is, there's also access to whiteness that you are denied from. You know what I'm saying? There are aspects of whiteness that you are seeing counter to or not, you know, welcome into um, because you don't check off the right boxes for, for, for the gate, for other gatekeepers of whiteness. You know, so it's like it's like once again, there's levels within these levels because I am not considered, you know, something I've heard commonly growing up by other black people, even yeah. members of my own family, is that the way that you talk or the way that you carry yourself, the way that you dress, you know, blah, 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 you're not black or so-and-so is more black, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's this yeah. constant, you know, and, 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 and yeah, while there may be external, you know, influences of stuff on that, at the same time, this is just how people are, you know what I'm saying? People gatekeep around identity in all sorts of different stupid fucking ways, and you know, there's plenty of black on black racism. There's plenty of racism between blacks and whites and browns and and and, and shit like that. Um, because when you have people once again kind of like essentializing them or reducing them and saying that oh because you're this, this is what you have access to, or I already know your life is going well and whatnot. Um, yeah. So it's okay if you get fucked with in this respect because it isn't institutional. And that's kind of like going back to like the woke essentialism thing. That's kind of like an issue that I take. You know, with like, oh, um, what you call it? Um, there was a show called, um, oh, Sorry. dear white, dear white people. Oh, I haven't watched that. Should and, I watch that? Is it worth watching? Yeah, nah, nah, because to me it's just woke essentialism. Um, it's it's to me it's it to me it's just an overcorrection. And but one of the pivotal moments in there is in the beginning where it happens on a campus. Um, it's mostly black kids or whatever, right? And so this young black woman who is like a woke essentialist, she goes up to like the, the dean or some other black male figure who's considered in this framework. He basically kind of has the position that I have, you know, where he's not like hair on, he's not like with his hair on fire, like, oh my God, look what you're doing to white people, but just like, hey, don't you see that you're also like, don't you see that you're also just kind of using a very like uh, uh, simplified way of looking at race to talk about white people and talk about these issues of, of uh, um, talk about these issues. And don't you think, he's like, don't you think that's being racist? And she basically gives the definition of like the, the more common one that's accepted, which is, no, it's all about institutional. She said that no, black people can be bigoted, but they can't be racist because there's the implication of a, you know, institutional stuff. But to me, it's like, 
I don't even feel like I'm operating with the contradiction of their definition. I'm just highlighting different degrees of impact. So yeah, so like a white, so like a rich white privileged person, yeah, maybe they can mostly only be affected by personal incidents of racism as opposed to like personal and structural. But to yeah. me, that is still a discussion worth having, or that's something still worth um, uh, tackling and addressing. Yeah, you know, there's always room for more nuance and cultural discussions. Pretty right. much everything. Right, exactly. And so it's like, um, to get back into the example of like bigotry within marginalized groups, is that even, with, even as a black person, I'm still a black man. And in many situations, I will have priority over a black woman or just at least be taken more seriously because the, on top of the racism of blackness, there's the misogyny towards women. Yeah. Right? And then, of course, there's also the issue of homophobia and transphobia, which is, yeah. very, which is huge in general, but especially within um, um, black the black community in the United States, various immigrant communities uh, yeah. and whatnot. Communities you know, with a culturally conservative background that tend to cling to it. Well, that, I mean, that's the funny thing, though, is that, like, yeah. is that's the funny thing is that, like, you got to remember, even up until, like, Obama's first term and whatnot, he did not approve of gay marriage. Yeah. You know, um, and the thing is that sentiment and Joanne Reed, you know, is also like that. That was when yeah. she made like her con- dropping f bombs on people, <laughs> dropping, dropping f bombs and stuff. So it's like once yeah. again, it just kind of shows how people can be really good on issues. On, on, they have their own pet issues, which they may be really, really good on. Yeah. And then they have these other set of issues in which they are just as reactionary as their as the opposition, the people that they're supposed to be opposed to. You, you know, it's, it's yeah. So that yeah. So, so, you know, I was just bringing that up to be mindful of the fact that, like, you know, intersectionality, as you said, racism and all this other bigotry and stuff, it happens at different levels. It can have, you know, crisscrossing and whatnot, um, in groups, out groups. And, you know, my own point is that, like, we just have to be vigilant Even about within groups. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was saying. In groups and out. Like, like colorist, like. Uh, discrimination within the black community. Or something. Oh, yeah. oh, and not even, not even just the black community, any community. Like, all of the communities. <laughs> yeah. Oh hell, even you can even talk about like, as a matter of fact, let's go into whiteness a little bit more. Sure. Okay. Because whiteness is a very fairly recent phenomenon. Oh yeah, whiteness is a fucking just it's a big mess. You know, as people may understand about like uh, the the founding of the United States, these were from these are European peoples, and European yeah. peoples, if you meet a German. They're going to tell you they're German. If you meet an yeah. Italian, they're going to tell you they're Italian. If you meet a Norwegian, they will fucking tell you. Yeah. They're not going to be like, I'm a European. This identity, this whole amalgamation of whiteness was something that was specifically cultivated for g- centuries. Um, yeah. in the with United a specific States. political goal. With a specific political goal because for those that don't know, you may know about eugenics, which is basically a pseudoscience that tries to look at um, um, genetic – or cultural dispositions that a group of people may have, which there's no. I say. I could give you a full lecture on that shit. I hate that shit so much. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And um, um, so folks may be familiar with that. What they may not know is that before it was used on non-white people or non-European people, it was used on Eastern Europeans because Western Europeans and still, and this is actually a thing that exists to this day. They see themselves as superior even to Eastern Europeans. Yep. And is, and once again, it's a schism that exists to this day, which is why like which which is why like you you may see depictions online of people from like Czechos- uh, the Czech Republic or from um, you know Slovenia or the Balkan areas and whatnot. They are typically basically depicted as like inept, uneducated, uncultured. 
Baba by like the British and people like that and, and the yeah. French and the Spaniards French. and the yeah. Germans and yep. yeah. yeah. My exactly. family is actually Czech. Say that again? <laughs> My family is Czech. Yeah. So yeah, and, yeah exactly. So y'all would be so under in the United States, you know, for those that don't know any better, it's like, Oh, you're just a white guy. But if they know if they know you and they see you and they can peg you in France or England or, or fucking Germany or something you know, you better hope you're in good company. <laughs> oh, they won't say nothing to me. I'd slap the shit out of them. I'm fucking huge. You know? Well, well, you're just one dude, you know. I'm, they got big motherfuckers there, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in any case, you know, yeah, white... Yeah, but, like, like, there's that gradient of, um, like, whiteness within, like, groups of Europeans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and that got carried over as they began to colonize the world. They had to say, oh, shit, we need... If we're going to conquer all these different people, especially since a lot of them outnumber us, we need to... What's the most effective way for getting everybody on the same board is that you get them to say, oh, we're all Europeans. Yeah, they're a Prussian. Yeah, that's a Czech, you know, Czech, you know, uh, they're, they're, uh, from, they're Czech um, or Spanish or Portuguese or whatever the fuck, but we are all Europeans, right? Yeah. And, um, and we so just have, recently stopped enslaving the Czechs. Really? <laughs> oh, my well, God. The, the, the Slavs, um, well, I'm, I'm talking about Europe in, in, that, in the time period in which white yeah. was developed. Yeah. Like the, there were um, before the the slaves were taken from the uh, what is it all the the Atlantic Islands and from Africa, mm-hmm. like they were uh, well, one of the reasons that they started getting a lot of African slaves is that they would send a lot of the European slaves to work in the colonies and they the European slaves yeah they would die and if they used like slaves from like the area they were trying to like have the colony in like they had like I don't know like a higher resistance to malaria or something so like, you yeah. you get a lot more out of your slaves if you bought. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> that's it, such it, a horrible statement, but it, I mean, it, it's, it's totally accurate. It's like first of their like thinking and all of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, like it, like when when the the enslavement of of Africa and South America was in in full swing, there were these um, largely French, but like very broadly in European, these like theorists of race who came up with, oh, before before we even got to eugenics, we had this this uh, lovely other um, <laughs> a pseudoscience about race called phrenology. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, God, which is even fucking goofier. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They they had these um depictions like the, they would have a drawing of like in in the propaganda that was produced by phrenologists. They would say each part of the brain, rather each part of the <laughs> each oh. part of the brain is underneath the skull, and the size of the area where that part is uh, contributes to some part of your personality. All of this is of course yeah. not borne out scientifically at all, but in, in discussing the theory, and that. They would uh, they would then take these drawings of like like an African man and a European man. They would show the African man, and the back of his head would be elongated like almost to the point where like it would be like from the movie Alien. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like it was, no, it, was it was very drawn like non anatomically. Yeah. And they were like, oh look at this European. And they would draw like a very anatomically normal European face and be like, look, their skulls are different, so uh, it's totally fine because they're not the same race as us. We can subordinate and enslave and murder and 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 make into <laughs> garments and books all of these people. Yeah. Because okay. we we uh, decided that you know the European slaves they're they're not so good. They're they're. They're, they're a lower grade of slave. We, we want the primo slaves. We're going to pay another, you know, $40 for that ounce. That's right. Of slave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love, I love, I love you using, like, uh, uh, like it's a finite amount of, like, slaving. Like, <laughs> like I have $50, I need $50, and I want the prime, you know, they cut of slavery. Please. I, I want my full money's worth. 
you know, but, 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 but no, but absolutely. It's like, yeah, you go from phrenology to, and the fucked up thing is, is that a lot of this stuff, this scientific inquiry is that like, it's very crude and it seems very backwards, at, you know, now, but it's like, unfortunately, this stuff was seen as the vanguard of the time because the people yeah. who had, you know, these are the people who had the most education. These are the people yeah. who had time to actually sit and just kind of fuck around and learn about these things and indulge in life and whatnot. And they didn't have to listen to any contrary opinions, mm-hmm. you know, because they were I mean, all enslaved. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> which is so funny and ironic because so much of Europeans' collective knowledge and like the, especially the Enlightenment, you know, which they always suck and they dick over, comes from the knowledge gathered from – uh, Africa, from uh, India, from China, from from you know everywhere else in the world. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know. And initially they yeah, fucked up. The that's why they had the they had all these lovely books that they translated and stole the math from. Yeah. You know. Uh, and, yeah. and the thing is, is that they even fucked it up, which is why they had the dark. Well, not well, I guess the dark ages was the uh, plague, but they had the um. There was another era, right, where they just had a really reactionary anti-intelligence movement, and they started like burning libraries and burning texts and stuff like. Oh yeah, the, it's it's called the church. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. there, there were definitely examples of that. Like the 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 library at Alexandria during the Crusades was burned, and it was like the like the sum of all human knowledge at that time, I guess. Yes. It's like that was a very well developed region, and they had a lot of like math and science figured out, and they had they had things that like we weren't doing, and they had much more advanced things like a, a astronomy and and maths. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were even doing optometry in the in the um doing like the Islamic doing like the Islamic um doing like the Islamic um like scientific like renaissance when Islam had its uh, scientific uh shit they came up with like you know um some optometry I think they were like doing some good I think they made advancements in like dental work um there were definitely some really good advancements scientific and technological advancements that came from the world of Islam from one point yeah you know, and it's, uh, it's it's just like uh, like uh, at one point it just happened that all of the people that we were you know, or I guess we that the, the the French and the British and the Spanish and the Iberians and whoever the fuck else the Dutch etc. All those people that they were trying to control and oppress everything they just happened to not be white folks. So yep. Like hey, guess yeah. what? People who aren't white folks are bad. And then yep. they started you know creating all of this science and reinterpreting all of their their art and their culture to, to justify and to reify this. Like there's, there's a, a great example in like the Bible and I'm not a religious fellow at all, but mm-hmm. I think it, it's, it's necessary to read where there was an interpretation of the book of Genesis where in, um, when, uh, Adam and Eve, like the first people, like what I, I don't want to yeah. get into that because I'll, I'll just yeah. go on a tangent and make fun of the Bible. A lot, but, um, <laughs> but essentially that, uh, Cain, uh, he kills his brother Abel and then gets mm-hmm. the mark of Cain and then like forever those people are bad okay yeah. says God <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you're um, these uh, white imperialist uh, Europeans who just happen to have slaves that are mostly not white right now you're like oh these are the uh, Canaanites yeah because we're doing the, the Bible shit right now yeah these, these people are the ones that God said that we can you know fuck with and uh, mm-hmm. colonize, and it doesn't count because they, they're the descendants of Cain, who killed Abel in the Bible. And, like, they, they reach out for all of these, like, convenient narratives, like, oh, you know, like, these Middle Easterners, like, they're savages. Everyone everyone who I don't like is a savage. It's like, yes. it's like how they approach it. Yeah, uh, yeah, ab- yeah. No, absolutely. Bas- you know, yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
you know, to get back to the to the thing of like talking about whiteness in general is that, you know, it goes from you, 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 you it went from something that uh, once the European powers kind of realized, OK, we've kind of pushed the boundaries as much as we could um, and we kind of have our own little nations right here. Now we need to expand and that as you continue to expand and you get confronted with pushback from all these different groups, some of which are more developed than you or have greater you know, connections. Um, and advantages that you don't, because a lot of people think that like, oh, white Europeans just went into Africa and just ransacked and just, you know, they put them on a boat and there was no resistance, you know. And it's like, um, it took several. No, it took like, it's like there was first of all there was already plenty of slave trading going on because that's something that just happens in every human society, um, you know. So there was that trade established, but then also, um, you know, because of the because of the um, efforts made to work together. Uh, this common, you know, under this common goal of, you know, just making money with, with, uh, you know, feudalism having been done away with, and now capitalism um, is starting to replace it, and you can get your money any way you can. Um, economic liberalism, basically, is what you have is that the, all the sharing of these resources and able to advance themselves to the to the way where they were able to effectively colonize the whole world. You know, Britain and France, Britain and France. You know, kind of becoming the uh, uh, at the forefront of this, even though Spain and like the Netherlands and, and uh, Portugal kind of started it. Yeah. In and any at, case, at oh, a certain ahead. point, oh, like at, at a certain point, like the reason that like the, this notion of whiteness develops the way it does in the United States is that these these groups of Europeans that were not at the top of this hierarchy, which we were previously mm-hmm. describing, like you know, like the people from Britain, you know, seeing themselves at the top of it and maybe looking down at like from the, like Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. or from like Romania, you know, the, the Irish farther <laughs> east. Yes, the Irish. That's exactly what I'm getting to. Mm-hmm. That eventually the Irish were added to this group that was considered white because they weren't always. I mean, now mm-hmm. now Irish people are. I would say they're fully assimilated into whiteness, and they probably have been for a while. But mm-hmm. in the United States, it's been for longer than in Ireland because, you know, Ireland is one, it, it might be the only country that's had like uh, an like anti-imperial uh, or anti-colonial struggle, struggle against like a white European power that's like actually itself a white country. Yeah. <laughs> which is, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. I mean, it's interesting. Like, you know, they've got theirs now and they're slowly losing their radicalism and becoming like in normal European bummers, but they were pretty fucking spicy for a long time, and they helped yeah. out some pretty cool people like um, Nelson Mandela and mm-hmm. Muammar Gaddafi. Yep. You know, they they worked as um, <clears throat> forces to counter the the reach of, I guess, British imperialism. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, they're right next to Britain. They especially hated Britain. You know, right. they, they didn't like the U.S. either, but like they, mm-hmm. they really, really, really didn't like Britain. Right. Yeah. Pick your yeah, battles and choose which enemy yeah. has the most priority. Yeah. You had the and, Irish becoming white, you had the Italians becoming white, you had the Germans. The Germans becoming white? Yes, the Germans becoming oh, yeah. white. They're, oh, yeah. in fact, the largest ethnic group of white folks in the United States. And you know what's so interesting is because, you know, I've met quite a few people of German descent, and yeah. they consistently have been, like, some of the most pleasant white people that I've, that I've fucking met. <laughs> They're like, what Holocaust? <laughs> Dude, you know what? You know what? You know what? As, as much as we could shit on them for, you know, like certain, you know, figures letting that shit happen, um, most you know, of them it, didn't come over after the Holocaust. A lot of them were already here. Oh, right, of course. Uh, and there was plenty of fascism, you know, here already, just among yeah, there, there was you know Yankees and shit. But, but you know, the thing that we got to give them credit for is that, like, it, the subsequent generations and whatnot have completely like accepted, like, yeah, we fucked up. This is completely awful. We know what happened. I mean, they just barely paid off their debt. 
um, some years ago. I forget how long ago, but they were still paying off their debt till fairly recently from the from the like, war. I think 2005 for their reparations or something. Or, yeah, very recently. Ago? Oh, okay. no, the, sorry, that, that was the, the U.K. paying off the slave reparations. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the Germany one was a little more uh, recent. But in any case, it was like within the – it's been after the 2000s, right? So it's yes, been, yes. you know, almost a century and shit, over 80, 90 years. In any case, <clears throat> at least they took ownership of it, and they have – you know what I'm saying? They're, they're one of the places that, like, take full ownership of the fact that we did this fucking really horrible – you know, our ancestors did this really fucked up, horrible thing. We still have some of the present in our country, but we're going to push back on it, which is why you can't even go over there and, and jokingly, you know what I'm saying, you can't even go in there and jokingly give a sig hail, you know what I'm saying, yeah. or dress up like a, as a Hitler and whatnot. They don't even name their fucking kids that anymore, Adolf. Yeah. You know they got because, that shit like a lot of it's literally against the wall. I mean the yeah. law. Against the wall. It's all <laughs> against the wall. <laughs> That works too, though. It yeah. works. But, but and that's what they do. That's what they do. Right? <laughs> to the wall. To the wall. Or actually, to the showers. Is there to the windows. To the wall. Oh. To the, put the Nazis up against the wall. And <laughs> the sweat drips down my pile of dead Nazis. Oh, those bitches crawl. To the to the sweat pours down all my Nazi scalps. Oh, you Nazi crawl. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, anyway. <laughs> but 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 yeah. But but to finish off on that about like yeah, that's a, that's basically what happened is that in order to comprise a greater faction, um, because white you know because the thing is globally white people Europeans white just white people pale people are the minority, so the only way they stand a chance is to find some way to uh, um, you know have some type of shared identity and shit. The same way that in the military you may have. You know, saying different political ideological views, religious views, you know, all this other shit. But on the front line, you know what I'm saying? They're your brother in arms or sister in arms or whatever the fuck. You have one united purpose and shit. And it's like you have to do a lot of fucking uh, massaging of people's minds and cultures and shit to do that. And one of the ways that you do that, and the Irish is a good example of this shit, is that the Irish and the Italians, they were able to uh, – well, obviously the Italians were able to get themselves into fixtures of like um, the underworld – and whatnot, and then use that. Oh to, yeah, they built their own parallel power structures because they were kept out of the power structures. Right, ex- exactly, yeah. and weren't, and they weren't as, um, you know, black people. We tried to do that too, but then like, you know, like total race riots and stuff. Co-intelpro uh, and shit. Co-intelpro yeah. shit. Like we didn't have a, they didn't give us a chance to establish dual power. But then they took that dirty money and they moved it into like mo- working in sanitation and working in construction. I mean, this is a fairly common, um, you know, like stereotype, but also, I mean, there has to be, there's some level of truth to it. Um, especially when you well, get to they like they put some money under their control to give right. themselves political power in the U.S. Right, exactly. And then the other thing that happened with the Irish, so that was the Italians. The Irish were largely became poli- law enforcement. Yeah. So they became, you know, they went from being one of the lower, and this is the way that they, a lot of them, were able to become middle class because law enforcement, especially when you get beyond just being a beat cop, is um, gets to become a pretty cushy job. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, financially speaking, when you get to certain levels. <clears throat> so anyway, this was the ways in which different groups of disparate, conflicting you know, white people who usually hate each other were taught to see each other as being one and the same because you give them, you give them opportunities to say, hey, you know, we come from, both come from struggle. We both you know, have not great education, you know, blah, 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 but at least we're not as bad as those you know, blacks and those Mexicans over there who always want to smoke weed and rape our women and play loud music into the, 
you know, weird music into all, uh, all uh, hours of the night. Yeah. You know, this is this is this is how it happens. This is how you cult people cultivate identities um, at this level. You know, because yep. otherwise they're allowed into the club to keep someone else out. Exactly, because otherwise it's really hard to get another human being to just exploit or even like act violently against a stranger. Yep. You know, without a without there being some type of personal vendetta. You know, but that's but once again, this is kind of like you know the whole thing with like propaganda and how people's minds get massaged and then. You know, acclimating people by giving them um, just enough of the just enough just enough <laughs> giving them more than table scraps, but not bringing them and giving them like the full five course meal. Yeah. But telling, but dangling in front of them and saying, "Hey, if you just keep pushing harder and harder and harder, you'll be able to enjoy this feast like we are." One of the things I want to go back to that I mentioned earlier is, is talking about satire and parody. And why it takes a certain amount of emotional intelligence, but just also general intelligence about society and history and whatnot to um, to actually pull it off and be effective. Yeah. And why Trump is so fucking hard to satirize. Yes, absolutely. We can absolutely use it. Yes, and how to, and how yes. to avoid satirization or parody. So real quick for those listening and, you know, or whatever, just for the, you know, just put it out there is that <clears> – <throat> Satire and parody are two distinct uh, practices. Satire is a practice of, that's mainly aimed at criticizing or belittling or pointing out the flaws in a particular set of uh, behavior or a group or ideology. It can be, but it is not obligated to be humorous. Whether, and, and, is not, and whether you are not find the satire humorous is really just a reflection of your personal tastes as opposed to the intent or the um, uh, uh, effectiveness of the piece itself, of the satire itself. Yep. Parody is the imitation of somebody's behavior, actions, or, or whatever the fuck, for, explicitly for the sake of mockery. It could be lighthearted mockery. It can be more heavy-handed critical mockery, but it is always with the intent of laughter and through imitation of the source. Yeah, and I would add one thing to this, which is... Uh, Poe's Law, which is it's one of these like internet uh, discussion things. I'm, I don't know, it might be from someone else, but it's essentially when you put something forward, if you're if you're not sure of the audience, it can be interpreted as almost anything based on how the person sees you, the person posting it. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of these things that informs satire and parody, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, because the thing is, really, what this is just a um, really this is just. And so, so Poe's Law was written by Nathan Poe in 2005 on ChristianForums.com. He was actually ChristianForums.com. I just Wikipedia this shit, so check this out. So this yeah. dude Poe's Law, oh excuse me, this dude Nathan Poe, um, he this post was made during a debate on creationism, where a previous poster had remarked to another user, "Good thing you included the winky, otherwise people might think you are serious." Poe then replied. Without a winky smiling or other blatant display of humor, it is utterly impossible to parody a creationist in such a way that someone won't mistake for the genuine article. <laughs> or, in, or in other words, <laughs> it, and, and they actually kind of break it down here, the original statement of Poe's law referred to specifically to creationism, but it has since been generalized to apply to any kind of fundamentalism or extremism. Basically, what they're saying is that if you don't tag your parody – by saying that this is parody or making it so abundantly clear, there will be people who take the shit at face value yeah. 
Um, and maybe and, even if you do. And even if you do, they, they could still do that. And a good example of this, actually, and really what this is, is it's actually kind of just an update on an old concept called the death of the author, which is basically just like, how do you separate the art and the artist? Is that like an artist or whatever creates something and they have an intent and they have a message and they have a certain level of you know, aesthetics or way that they communicate shit, right? <clears throat> but you cannot control what your audience interprets of that shit because your audience isn't going to be operating with the same level of understanding as you are. And so this is basically just an updated version of that same idea that you cannot rely on the consumers of your shit to come away with the same conclusion you did, even if you make it abundantly clear what your intent was. Because now people are so skeptical that they can even be like, oh, well, maybe they're just saying this out loud to be to cover their own ass, or maybe they're just saying it because they want us to think the opposite, you know, contrarianism. Um, and whatnot. And actually, as a matter of fact, a good example of this shit is um, is South Park. Because South Park, South Park, and I'm I'm somebody who's never been you know super crazy uh, about South Park. Um, I admittedly only really started watching it like in the when they kind of made their turn after the I think right before the election or whatever. Basically, when they started becoming uh, when they kind of grew up a little bit and started. Um, introduced like woke PC principle and shit like that and started criticizing yeah, like, like we're going to miss the market a different way you know which the thing is that like to me that was yeah. <laughs> to me that was the time when they missed the mark the least yes um you know in their whole careers but but in any case um the reason why I bring up South Park is because they they're the ones they're the ones who who are popular well known for getting away with this oh it's just satire we like to make fun of both sides or we just you know um, it should be understood that we're just, you know, parroting these motherfuckers and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like we also hear your views. We also hear you express your actual views, which they identify as right-wing libertarians. And it's like, okay, you would have had better – you would have had a better ability to, to downplay that shit if you hadn't admitted your political views out loud. Because with that context, when I go back and I listen to like – or see your, like your man bear – or like your man bear man, – wait, is it man bear pig? Yeah, yeah, man, bear pig. The global warming thing. The global warming, which was basically, um, which was basically, they were uh, climate change deniers, yeah. which is essentially what that episode boiled down to. Um, and they only came to apologize and record and apologize to Al Gore about that shit, like almost 20 years later. Yeah, you know well, what I'm saying. The thing is, I actually really liked that episode because there was sort of a, a critique of, like, no, it's, it's it's like what you had said earlier about someone critiquing something that wasn't <laughs> like what they were trying to critique. Yes. But like to me, it critiques Al Gore centering himself in the environmental movement, mm-hmm. and like you know, being being the face of it. But at the same time, it's also this you know, there's this very infantile like like oh, global warming's not real, man. Uh, like kind of like feeling to the episode. So it's like like that's something that I've come to appreciate more and more is is unintentional satires. <laughs> yeah, because like it seems like we kind of because in many respects it feels like we kind of tap the well on intentional satire yeah. you know just because of how polarized things have gotten but um but the thing is about that about that thing is so like yeah i agree with you that there were some good sticking points about like criticizing the blatant egoism and centering of al gore yeah. of, of him centering himself uh, yeah. but the thing is is that like once again like you said it's like you don't have to then but then you don't have to actually dismiss it's dismissing the greater claim because of the person and there's a name for this fallacy i don't know what it's i don't know what it's called uh, right is that what it is that you're at the man. At the man? Where, like, I guess, yeah, you're criticizing the person as opposed to their 
you're criticizing, you're using criticism of an individual to dismiss their ideas. Yeah. Where, you know, because the idea of climate change obviously um, is, is clear as day if it wasn't yeah. then. And you can also say that, yeah, climate change is real and that Al Gore was kind of being a, 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 a fucking ham and trying to center himself in this movement. Yeah. Um, it's like you can, it's like you can do both things, but for some reason they chose to just dig into the ad hominem, and then you know their excuse at the end of the day was, oh, it's just satire, it's just parody and shit. But it's just like y'all also played a role in helping to legitimize that approach to these and issues. And you have done it so many times on so yes. many issues in the exact same fashion. Right. And that's why it's not what you're saying it is. That's. Mm-hmm. Like, South Park undermines themselves with those claims. And then they go totally limp dick on Trump, which is fucking sad, because he's the goofiest motherfucker in the world. Just people yeah. can't find an angle on him to make fun of him, because they have to go to very dark places to do it. I mean, it's yeah. really funny when you find it, but, you know. I mean, the thing is, I don't feel like, I mean, obviously for us it's not too hard, but we have, we don't have as much vested interest with the system as is. We don't, we're not as invested with this shit, you know, maintaining it. Whereas Matt and Trey, I mean, hell, they just sold the fucking show for over $100 million, and each of those guys are already worth, like, oh, almost half, half a billion. Jesus. You know? Yeah, it's, it's just like they're, I don't know. Like, I've never particularly loved their show, and the things that I've loved about it have never been the things that they were trying to make the audience love about it. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um so, so like to get back into it, to, and and this kind of goes back to once again because even though Matt and Trey they're more right wing libertarians, so that's why they're able to make valid critiques of the left and the right, liberals yeah. and republicans, or lefties and right wingers. Um, but once again, it's kind of this enlightened centrism take, where oh, yeah, yeah. where you just go to you just kind of default to saying both sides are wrong to some degree. So I'm just going to sit here and mock both sides. And pretend that that's actually a final uh, way to actually deal with issues. And it's like, no, we can say that one side is more wrong than the other because one side has the objective here and is acting in more good faith than, than not, and is yeah. using a certain set of information to to uh, determine which way to move. 